Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager with the Relate365.com leadership team. Talking again with Nate and Kellen, if you were with us last time, you'll realize that Nate is our good friend and staff here at Silver Birch Ranch, and he was diagnosed with cancer. We've been going through his cancer journey uh, to bring hope and a realistic understanding of cancer to people. And Kellen is Nate's best friend and Nate's pastor, so he has a dual role in going through this. And we thought it'd be fun to have them both in the studio today to be able to talk about both their friendship, what they're going through, uh, Kellen from a pastoral uh, viewpoint and a friend viewpoint. I mean, how do you deal with this this issue? One of the things I wanted to ask you, Nate, is uh, you've been at this how many months now since you've been diagnosed? I was diagnosed back in uh I'd say a week and a half, two weeks before Christmas, and okay. it's now uh, middle of June. Okay, and so you've had people that have tried to help you uh, mm-hmm. through that time. Uh, I can remember when I was a kid for a while, I was in a wheelchair and had some other difficulties. And, you know, one of the things that really irritated me was how many people ignored me when I was a kid because they just didn't know what to say most of the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do they say? Nice chair? You know, I mean, what do you say to a young child that doesn't want to be in a wheelchair It's in a wheelchair? I know what I do now. I walk up to them and say, what's with the wheels? I mean, why do you have those? Because I was in one, and I know that you can't avoid the issue. So it's like... It's the white elephant in the room. I'm not going to avoid the issue. You're sitting in a wheelchair. I want to know why you're in the wheelchair. And 100% of the time, the child lights up and talks to me. Mm -hmm. They they don't. I think they almost say, thanks for not avoiding the issue. I appreciate that. Um, I know when somebody uh, dies... Sometimes it's really hard. People say, I don't know what to say. Go up and and say, you know, this person died. This stinks, huh? I'm with you. This Mm -hmm. is a hard one to go through. Now go from there. There there might be something else you're thinking, but at least acknowledge the fact you know what's going on. Is that Mm -hmm. accurate when you're going through cancer, or am I I surmising something that is just in my life? It's accurate. Uh, Just within the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, my dad went to Southside Tire, which is in Anago, and uh, one of the people behind the counter knew that I had cancer. Uh, he saw the last name, you know, with my daddy was dropping something off there for camp. And uh, he was like, oh, are you related to Nate Brash? And uh, he got on that whole thing and was like, oh, yeah, he's got cancer. And, um, you know, the guy behind the sales counter said that. And it just opened up a little dialogue. He was, you know, I've been in there before, but he was always reluctant to bring it up. Right. And my dad told him, ask him about it. He'd love to talk to you, to you about it. Right. And I think most people in the situation, you know, don't mind talking about it. You know, there are some that I, they kind of have their own self-pity party. And, you know, it doesn't matter what you do with them, you're not going to get anywhere. Yep. But I think, you know, most people, if you, you know, just kind of be real with them and talk with them, and the person with cancer will probably open up and you'll probably learn something from them. Uh, I've gotten that from a lot of people that are they're very encouraged by how, yeah, my response to this and my response to them is it's not me, it's God. Because without God, I wouldn't be this way. So right. it opens up a door for the non-believers. And then for believers, it they see, oh, this is what this looks like. And so it's uh, it goes back to what we were talking about uh, the last program about, you know, the gospel. You know, the gospel is not just for unbelievers. It's for believers as well. You know, right. I'm living it out. And... Yeah, it's something that anybody can learn from. So I honest questions are good. Oh, yeah. I mean, someone can come to you and say, what does it feel like to get chemo? And oh. you're not offended if they ask oh, you. Oh, no. And each, you know, the 
fortunately the chemo I had was on the the more tolerable side, but mm-hmm. I'll bring up there's ones that are, you know, kind of nasty, you know, where, you know, if you use the bathroom, you got to flush twice yeah. because of the, the material that's in there. Right. And, but yeah, I'm very open with, you know, a lot of the treatment and in some cases probably too open and, but it's, you learn something through it because, you know, most people don't get to hear what it's like going through that unless yeah. they actually are diagnosed and start to go through it. How, how about people coming with uh, all sorts of great advice for you about, like, hey, I've got violet essential oil, and this will cure <laughs> your cancer. Fortunately, we haven't had that. My wife posted something on Facebook that, you know, in a delicate way, saying, you know, we're, we appreciate, you know, the concerns, but, you know, we're, we're going the route of traditional medicine. So, you know, we would appreciate not offering you know, cure-alls. And that's essentially what some of those things are. They claim that they can cure everything. Well, I'm going to believe my doctor who has, you know, eight years of schooling, four years of a residency program, and then probably three years of a fellowship. That's a lot of education. I'm going to believe him over somebody that has read online and has gone to school for maybe a year. I'm going to believe my doctor and what I see of people with cancer. And Oddly enough, a statistic that I ran across in some of the cancer sites that I'm on, uh, people who follow the natural holistic route, their death rate is actually higher than people who uh, go the traditional route. And that's coming from the not uh, cancer research here. That's coming from cancer research uh, in England. Right. So it's, you know, the holistic method actually has a higher mortality rate. Yeah, it's interesting. My father-in-law was a, a family physician, I think, for 40 years or more, and and he used to share research with me, which was very interesting. And uh, once he came and said, so Dave, what do you think? If you got a bad back, do you think it's better to go to a traditional doctor? You know, uh, do you think it's better to do nothing? Or do you think it's better to go to a chiropractor? And I said, I don't know. I'm sure you're going somewhere with this, but I don't know. And he said, actually, the research is pretty clear. They both, they all heal at the same rate. So choose whatever one you want. <laughs> And uh, go ahead and do it and enjoy yourself. And I thought, well, that's something because he was a guy. He's from the old school of medicine. He's uh, 89 years old. And he's from the old school of medicine where you you never go to a chiropractor. I mean, mm-hmm. you just don't do that. That's like a dirty word or something. <laughs> and um, so when he said that, I, I just laughed. I thought, so now whenever my back goes out, I just think, do nothing. Why? I, you know, I save a whole bunch of money and I get the same results. So, and you know what? I think he's right. I think he's right. I, I have had... Uh, my wife and I once were going out skiing out west, and on the airplane, I got up funny, and all of a sudden, man, I couldn't move. I mean, I threw my back out just getting out of an airplane seat. And I thought, oh, man, we spent all this money. We're going out west. I got to ski, and I have to ski tomorrow. You know, I have to. <laughs> so I just stood up, and, you know, she looked at me and goes, oh, no, not now. You know, I said, yeah. So I went and, you know, sat in a hot tub and did all kinds of stuff. And, but I skied the next day, and I just pretended like it didn't happen. And how'd that go for you? Well, it was slow the first day, but honestly, by the third day, I was fine. Sometimes and I thought, same thing. I could have gone to a doctor. I could have done anything. But I kept hearing my father on the background saying, you know what? The research says either way, you'll be fine. Your back will heal. You'll lay in a way that helps the muscles recover. And you know what you're supposed to do because your body will tell you. Yeah. A lot of times pulled muscles, moving them around is the best thing you can do. Yeah, well, it was that yeah. trip. That's for sure. But I, I will partially disagree with your father-in-law. Uh just with the surgery I had on my back where I had uh, s- fractured vertebrae. Yeah. 
it was an immediate relief when they glued them suckers back together. Yeah, I'm not sure. Modern procedure. Yeah, I'm not sure he's talking about a a broken back. I I think he's talking more about you throw your back out. Oh yeah. You know, uh, somehow throw throw your back out a little. Like every time I've thrown my back out, it's been something stupid. Getting out of a chair, Mm -hmm. grabbing a gallon of milk. I mean, those are when my back goes out. So. That's what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about like a sledgehammer hitting you in the middle of the back or something. Mm-hmm. I, that, that probably needs something else. But so, so I've got one more question for you, kind of along those lines. Do you get people that say, "Oh yeah, I know what you're going through," uh, and, and then how does that come across? One person has said that, and I believe him. It's our our friend yeah. that you know was diagnosed. He knows the the grander cancers are different, but. There's a lot of similarities, and uh, some people that have dealt with chronic pain have said, you know, I understand what you're going through with the pain, but unless you've gone through the stuff, you haven't really experienced it. Just like, you know, our wives, we've never experienced childbirth, so we can't relate to that. And unless you go through something, it's hard to relate. But, you know, there are different aspects to, you know, some of my illness that people can relate to. You know, chronic pain is one of them. There are some people that live with chronic pain, and it's not the funnest thing in the world. It's, but it's something that I've learned to deal with. It's very easy for me to just sit in bed and do nothing, well, but I choose to get up every morning. One of the things, actually, that I've been praying for you about is um, that some of the painkillers that are available to people with chronic pain can become addictive and mm-hmm. just that you know you're you, praying that they are addictive i'm i'm praying that he does not get addicted yeah oh, that's what i heard I, I heard him say <laughs> yeah he's hoping you get addicted i was setting up oh very good never mind yes, yes. setting the stage <laughs> but yeah i'm praying that that you know you don't get addicted to some of those mm-hmm. painkillers that are available to you too there's all these hidden you know mm-hmm. sp- Struggles within the struggle, almost. One of the things that I do is I I deal with a certain level of pain uh, that I've chosen to do. You know, on a scale of one to ten, between a one and a three is kind of where my tolerable level is. And the doctor trusts me enough to where if I wanted to get all the painkillers I needed, I could get that to get it to a zero. But I choose not to because when I do get a little bit of pain, it's excruciating. So dealing with a little bit of pain, lack of a better term, it keeps you honest. It lets you cope with reality. And, you know, I tried to wean off of some of the the painkillers already, but I had an increase in pain, and that kind of correlated with uh, when my pain level started to increase in my hip. If I didn't have that, I think when I decreased that, it would have been fine. But shortly thereafter is when I started to have more and more problems uh, with my right hip, with the increase in pain. Uh, but I, you know, I mentally try to, you know, I, I'll take the painkillers when I absolutely need it, when it gets to a point where it's hindering my functioning. Uh, it's when it really becomes a distraction. But I try to, you know, I deal with pain 24-7. But it's on a tolerable, manageable level where it doesn't distract me. Well, it's interesting how God's designed the human body. Um it's designed to communicate things to you. Pain is mm-hmm. a very powerful communicator and useful. It led to the CT scan that found this tumor mm-hmm. before you broke your hip, right? Uh, so that oh, uh, correct. My hip is not broken. There's tumors. Yeah, it, in there, but it's it, it, quote unquote broken, but not as they, like they a found it before bone. you. Mm-hmm. Like if otherwise, you could have just been in la la land with painkillers, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden your hip's breaking. And what's that all about? Right. Yep. Um, did you know that? 
the leprosy that they talk about in the Bible in the New Testament times most likely was something called Hansen's disease. With that, what happens is you don't get pain signals. So you stub mm-hmm. your toe as you're walking, your sandal breaks, and you're stubbing your toe on the ground, and all of a sudden your toe gets like erased off of your body almost. It just gets ground off because you can't feel the pain. Mm-hmm. So there's actually, you know, some the pain that we have, it, it can teach us things about ourselves, about our bodies, about mm-hmm. what we're going through. And even, you know, I think that goes for some of the emotional and spiritual pains too. Why is it that, you know, it can be a tough time to go through some of the things that we're going through? I mean, is there a loss of, you know, this idol of comfort? Is there a loss of relationship? What's going mm-hmm. on that, that we're experiencing this pain? God's highlighting something with that, and we can explore it and learn about it and deal with it. Mm-hmm. Well, some of the, you know, with some of the pain that I have, um, I've had a couple more uh, tests done uh, just in preparation for radiation, and one of them was getting a, uh, it was a bone scan. And as I was laying on the table, which anybody that's ever had a CT scan or MRI, those tables are absolutely comfortable. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and my left leg, because I was laying on this table, started to all of a sudden, it was really starting to hurt. And uh, unfortunately, the pain that was there, uh, the morphine that I'm on doesn't really do much for that. It'll decrease it a little bit. But in preparation, I took a little bit just because I knew I would probably get a little bit of pain. But yeah, I didn't take you know a full dose that I usually would. Yeah. Uh, but as I was laying there, you know, it's there's been numerous times where I've you know cried out to God and it's like, all right, God, you need to go to work here. You know, can you relieve some of this pain so that I can get through this scan? And I'll tell you, He removed some of that pain, and it's yep. not the first time He's done that. Yep. And, you know, almost every time I've had a scan, I've had, you know, some sort of pain, whether it's in my back, my legs. And first thing I do is, you know, pray to God. All right, God, you're up. Yep. Need you to work here. And he's time and time again, he's pulled through. I probably write a book on this stuff. And, you know, I, you know believers that are out there, you know, don't be ashamed to do that. You right. know, that's, you know, and I understand as I'm praying, God may not do it. Yep. This time, but he might do it. It's it, there's, yep. but it, pretty much. And you're never alone. It. You're never alone. He's See, I don't it, care yeah. what machine they're stu- they're stuffing in you in. You, you know, you're never alone. Mm-hmm. The pain idea is interesting. What Calm was talking about. You know, I think a lot of times in our culture, you get some emotional pain or or physical pain, and you try and dull it somehow. When really it is giving you a signal, and you should yeah. rather cure the problem rather than dull it, because yeah. the pain is there for a reason. Um, and then there's chronic pain, which, which is, again, there for a reason, I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a problem that you need to address somehow, and, and you need to work at addressing those, those yeah. issues. Pain's interesting. Though. When I played football in college, I realized that pain was something that was a, a relative scale. Uh, there are some people that could play with pain, and they just the pain didn't bother them like it bothered others. And, and there were others who had a torn cuticle, and they couldn't play. You know what I mean? <laughs> It, and, my, and I used to think, boy, these guys are babies or whatever. And a trainer one day told me, he says, Dave, you don't understand the body. There are people who the, the levels of pain are so different in people mm-hmm. that it's really hard for you to assume what somebody else feels because of the level is so different. And I was one of those who, who basically played with broken bones. You know, it was like, no, that, that's just a little pain. And they would have to, they have to know those people because they're pulling them off. I played plays with broken bones in my hands and 
the trainer eventually says, you can't play. I mean, you got to get over here. we got to get that fixed. Your finger's at a 90-degree yeah. angle yeah. in the wrong direction. Well, a bone <laughs> is sticking out the middle of your hand, and, <laughs> and you're just kind of, ow, that hurt. You know, and, but it, I'd love to say I was really tough, but the truth of the matter is, as they explained it, is you're not really tough. You, just, you have this huge, very high tolerance for pain. Mm-hmm. So the guy over here doesn't, but don't get on his case for that. You know what I mean? So I, I imagine going through chemo, you know, again, there's people that have a higher tolerance of pain. There's people that have mm-hmm. a less tolerance of pain. And then medicine works differently. Yeah. You know, I could take, you know, a handful of pain relievers, not suggesting anybody ever do that. <laughs> and it doesn't seem to affect me anyway. My wife takes like a half of aspirin mm-hmm. and her, her pain is removed like forever. <laughs> and so I think medicines really affect people differently. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why it's called practice by all those doctors. Mm-hmm. They're trying to figure out how much to give you. What is your pain tolerance? You know, uh, whenever they ask me that number, you know, that pain number, you know, mm-hmm. between one and ten, it's like I never know how to answer. Uh, my dad's the same way. He's like, because he asked me, because I, you know, the doctors yeah. and nurse will ask, you know, what's your pain level at? And well, is it pain or discomfort? And those are two different things. Yeah. And you know, after going through the, you know, the back issues that I've had, I know what pain feels like now. I've got a very good grasp of what yep. pain is and what discomfort is. And I think what most people feel is discomfort yeah and you know discomfort is something that you know, i don't think you necessarily need medication for or you know at least some right. of the potent stuff you know take an ibuprofen or some tylenol for that yep. but you know using some of your the heavy narcotics that are out there and some of the heavier you know NSAIDs that are out there you don't really need those right and yeah i usually answer i'm in a lot of pain because i'm in this office if i got out of here <laughs> i'd be a whole lot better <laughs> You know, I mean, you could relieve this thing like right now by letting me out and not even charging me. That that would work, and I'd feel a whole lot better. So, um, you, know, you as a pastor, Kellen, you uh, have had to sit and think things through as to the reality of what you teach on a Sunday morning and your good friend going through what he's going through. How is it? Has it changed anything? What passages do you go to? What do you think about? Oh, man, I... I've been really wrestling with this. I mean, you know, I, I've I've got other friends. You know, I I look at that and it's like, you mean I'm not your only friend. You're, you're not my only friend. Um, <laughs> so so if God were to you know take you away tomorrow, it's like I I'd have other people that I could talk to. God is a better friend than I can be. Yes, um, but you are a very good friend, and that's because of God too. Uh, however, the the thing that is tougher for me as I look at, okay, well, what about Jenna? She doesn't have another husband. Uh, your kids don't have another father here on earth in the flesh that can wrestle with them on the floor and stuff like that. There's the, this part of it that just seems almost unjust, but right. it's really arrogant of me to think that I know better what's best for me and for your wife and for your kids and for everybody that's in your sphere of influence than God does. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things that sticks out to me in uh, the Bible is in Psalm 139. So Psalm 139 verses 1 through 24, David's talking about how well God knows him. And David's life has been tumultuous. I mean, he's faced Goliath. He's had Saul wanting to kill him. He's had everything, huge highs of being the king, and he's sinned in, in huge ways and, and watched a baby die. He's been really high and really low. 
In Psalm 139, he says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. O that you would slay the wicked, O God! O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. That passage shows all of it. There's difficulties of life. There's great things about life. There's the wonderful things about David, the terrible things about David. All of it's there and it's brutally honest. And he looks at who God is. You're with me every step of the way. I can't escape you. I can't outsmart you. I can't outrun you. You know everything. You're with me everywhere. And in the end, I've got to trust you. And I've got to be transparent with you and say, okay, you can search me. If something's wrong in my life, I need to get right because I can't change you, but you can change me. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it's God's word that we go to because it's what's reliable. The rest of us are not reliable. We have emotions. We have feelings. They go all over the place. You know, it's kind of interesting. In my little world, I have narcolepsy, as our listeners know. And oftentimes, I just love to close my eyes and escape from the world. That's my favorite thing to do. And when I do that, immediately almost my brain goes and says, I love you, God. And it keeps repeating that over and over again. And I find that odd in a way because I don't consciously do that. But there is something that happens when I close my eyes and I go into a state of helplessness where I go right to God with it. And it's it's almost a, a time that I cherish rather than a time that I run from. You know, it's not an evil time. Even though I look helpless at the moment and I look you know, like I'm out of it or whatever it might be, my brain immediately goes to talk to God. And after I've repeated a couple times, I love you, God, I love you, or whatever it is, it seems like then a conversation starts where I'm just talking to him about various things. And even though my eyes are shut and it looks like the rest of the world, I am not there. It is a precious moment for me. And when I open my eyes, I'm thinking, well, good, that was good. Even though it looked like I was disabled at that moment. So I'm thinking, you know, the disabled part of life for you, Nate, the, the time that you're, 
you're set aside, if you want to put it that way right now. They can be great times. Mm -hmm. And and they can be times that draw you to God and not times that you have to run away from. When I was getting the really long MRI that lasted an hour, yeah, I just spent the entire time praying. Right. And, you know, before I go to bed, yeah, I'm praying. And when I'm praying, I'm not praying, God, take this sin away, or this sin away from me. He already took my sin away. Yeah. Uh, take this uh, cancer away from me. I'm not praying that way. Right. I'm thanking him for, you know, what he allowed me to be able to do that day and praying for other people. It's more of a rejoicing and, you know, I'm able to see what God has allowed me to be able to do. And it's something that, you know, prior to this, I really never paid too much attention to because you're not going through anything. Right. So the distractions of life have been minimized. Yeah. And and I think the same thing. I think, you know what, God, if I was just healthy, I wouldn't be spending time with you. You know? Mm-hmm. So why would I ask to be healthy at this point? Why would I ask for that to be taken away? I had a group of uh, men at a men's retreat once come up and say, you know, Dave, you just don't have enough faith. You know, you need to pray and get rid of this. And I said, no, thank you. And they looked at me funny. And I said, you know what? Here, honestly, I've prayed about my narcolepsy. And the thing that I end up doing is not demanding God cure anything. Mm-hmm. I, I just come to him and say, God, I know that you're God and I have this. If you want me to have it, I have it. And if you don't want me to have it, it's gone. Mm-hmm. And either way, that's your business. And I think it's important that, that I'm able to land there so that I can truly rest in him and not rest. In, you know, it's, I, I've learned through the process. It's not faith in my faith mm-hmm. that means anything. It's faith in God's faithfulness that means something. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and I'm sure in your case, I know a lot of people in my case, because they've told me, you know, they're, they're, they're praying that I'm, you know, miraculously healed. And I appreciate that. It's, you know, people are led to pray that way. And, you know, prayer is just, you know, is a way that we're absolutely helpless yeah. in, you know, what we have, what we're doing. And, you know, I appreciate people that pray that way because, you know, they're fully trusting God. Either way, they, you'll glorify God. Yeah. You, you get completely healed, you'll be able to. If you're not, you'll be oh, able yeah. to. So either way, it's the same. Yep. Something that's sticking out about the way you're praying for this is usually we pray for health and wealth and prosperity. We want to be comfortable, all this stuff. There's this prayer that's in uh, Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 and 9. It says, remove from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Doesn't want to be rich or poor. He says, feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. It says, it's bad if I have too much good stuff. It's bad if I don't have enough good stuff. Keep me right here in a place where I will be able to honor you and in a place where I will be able to walk right with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we should do a, a program on prayer just because of the fact that I think so often uh, in the evangelical world, we steal glory from God with our prayers. We, mm-hmm. we want to talk about how um, important and how great it was that we did this, that we prayed for you, that somehow it, you know, look what we did. It wasn't what we did. did. Prayer is very important, and I wouldn't minimize that in a minute, but it's also not demanding God to do something, and God is not hand-tied right now by my prayers. In other words, he can work apart from me. So if I don't pray for you, Nate, I miss out on being a part of what God is doing, but God is not going to uh, fail or succeed upon in your life with or without me. I'm firmly, I firmly believe mm-hmm. that. However, the prayer part, I get to participate in the will of God. I get to participate and pour my heart out to him. And either way, I, I will win or lose according to how I align myself with him 
And that's very important for me to grab, uh, or I'm going to be in trouble down the road because mm -hmm. I think I need to control the Almighty who is uncontrollable. That never works for people. No. You've been listening to The Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager. And today I was with Nate and Kellen, and uh, we were talking about Nate's journey through cancer and good friendship that Kellen has as a pastor and friend. We invite you to listen to other episodes at Relate365.com. We'll see you next time.